And we're back, Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. All right, Nesbitt, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's uh, spring here now. It's a nice, uh, nice day, new new beginning. Podcast is doing amazingly well. We're getting all this traction. It's almost to the point where uh, a lot of people are contacting us, and we're getting back a little slower because we're getting a lot of yeah. good engagement. Yeah, it's really taken off. Which is pretty, awesome. Uh, pretty impressed with how it's doing. And it's, going, it's going excellent. Yeah. And I think... Today we get to get into a topic that we've been talking about for a while, and one that if we'd have done out the gate, I mean we've done this with every album when we talk about it and we study it, and you know I've, I've been through the vinyl and and we're sitting here with so many different killers vinyls that when we cover killers and we're going to do that now, we break that down. My opinion on this it keeps evolving, and yeah. I actually got kind of a, a different view of this album. I started off not loving it, but knowing that, that you and some of our longtime Maiden friends love it and it's been your favorite album at various, piece, at various times, I'd say it was never my favorite album. Although, in listening to it, um, it's become one of my favorites. I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying it's not a high-quality album. It's just doesn't accentuate the things that I loved about Maiden, or at least that's where I, I was on it. But now I've kind of come around to a totally different view of Killers. And I almost think like Killers Stands Alone is this interesting album. But we'll get into that as we break it out. Yeah. Well, this was my favorite album for like years. And then I yeah. kind of fell out of love with it. Not not that I didn't like it, but yeah. a lot of the other albums I started liking a lot more. Yeah. And now after this past week listening to Killers nonstop, yeah. I remembered why it used to be my favorite album. And it's like one of my favorites again. This yeah, always happens with every album we cover, right? Well, it's got a really cohesive uh, feel to it, and it keeps kind of coming up and down and up and down. There's mixes of instrumentals. We'll break all yeah. that down today. Um, but it's a really interesting, pacey song and it, or, or album. And yeah, it has a lot of energy to it. It does, and it has that punky Paldiano. I don't think if you had Bruce recording this album, it would be as good. I honestly don't. But when we get into it, I'll, I'll break that my takes down on that. <laughs> I agree with what you're yeah, saying about yeah. Bruce, though. Bruce, this is not, this not is a Bruce a, album. Paul Diano, like, really shines on this album. Yeah. And I, I've got a bunch of clips in yeah. store. I'll let you hear them when they come up. Yeah. A lot of, like, comparing different versions of singers singing different songs. Um, mm-hmm. But you're totally right. Like, Paul Diano, these are Paul Diano songs. This is where Paul Diano, like, shines. I would, I, you know, I don't have the, the knowledge of Paul Diano's solo work that you have. I only really know him from Maiden and the few clips we've gone through and the various yep. little pieces and you kind of parrying back when I say he kind of disappeared after this, but he obviously didn't and he's still out there and all the great interviews and the hot yeah. takes. Oh, and he had gigs. album after album after, after album. album after this. Yeah, yeah but this, to me, I don't think you could design an album better for a singer like Paul. And he's also in his prime, even though he had yeah, some challenges. Yeah, his voice is amazing in the album, yeah. Yeah, he was a little bit stabby during this period and, <laughs> and, he, and he loved to drink, but I don't think that's a that's, that's yeah. anything that's going to... Knock him into my life. Speaking of uh, loving a drink. <laughs> oh, you really want to get into the beer fast today? Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, why don't you tell everybody? Okay, yeah. So um, I don't know if we've covered this beer um, yet. It's a Mill Street local brewery. We've done a few from there. Yeah. Um, I think we did, was it the Capelin Hound IPA before? I don't know. We did. Yeah, the so Cape they've done Hound. some great stuff. And I mean, I love Mill Street. I used to go to the original brew pub in Toronto. Um, which then got bought by Labatt, but Labatt has allowed them to stay true to it. And I know that in Newfoundland, they have like excellent brewers down there that are now shipping beer around uh, the country from here. But most of it is consumed here. And the, the beer we have today is that it's it's actually sometimes brewed here. I don't think the one we have is brewed here. I think this one's brewed and bottled here. Yeah, in. I didn't know if they brewed that one here. No, I, I think they, they have done it okay. here before. But this is the West Coast style IPA, but it's a West Coast. I mean, we're in the East Coast, Canada, yeah. but it's a West Coast style IPA, American hops, and it's a, a fantastic beer. So we're going to enjoy this one. 
worrying about those wasted beers. Let's get into it. Uh, yeah, I love this beer. Now, I've, you know, I've had this beer a lot I'm of times. I'm very so familiar with this beer. Me too. I'm, I, and it's not that um, we, uh, you know... I don't. I, maybe we have even had a taste of it on the podcast. I don't know. We'd have to go through. Maybe we should, at some stage, do a wall of fame of beer somewhere. But we have to come back when we when we're in England this summer. We need to bring back uh, some interesting beers. Maybe get to uh, right. Robinson's some stage. So we're gonna bring uh, all the stuff we need to do the podcast with us when we go to Europe. For we're seeing a couple of we're seeing three concerts. Is it is it Europe? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're going to England. Yeah. And we're going to see three concerts, and we're going to do some episodes from over there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to, I would love to do one from the Carton Horses. That, that's what we <laughs> we're definitely to going to the Carton Horses. Mm-hmm. We're going to do one right after the shows, a review, maybe a lead up to the shows. Yeah. We haven't decided yet, but we're going to do some from over there. I think it'd be fun. It'll be awesome. We can pull in some like Maiden fans yeah. to talk on the podcast. That'd be great. And yeah. if there's anyone out there who, who's in London, who London or us. Manchester, if you want to be on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's right. Manchester. I'm also going to be in Dublin as well, but we're not going to have the recording gear. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 opportunity then to kind of broaden some of our beer drinking. Although a lot's happened here, and there's a lot of beers we haven't. Um, I guess everywhere now, craft beer has exploded so much. But um, yeah, that that there's there's a lot more to do here. But I think the idea now of of starting to spread our beer um, a little more geographically beyond Canada uh, is probably a good area to go with this thing. <laughs> so what do you make of this? It's well. I've had this many times. It's delicious. This is my mm. one of my go-to IPAs. It is for me too. The Comtom we uh, we reviewed before has kind of displaced this in my fridge. Oh yeah. But the Comtom's like seven point five percent, and I've caught myself a few times like watching a hockey game, and I'm about four beer in, and I realize I'm <laughs> kind of a little bit. You go to stand up, and you're like, yeah, yeah. you know, and then you realize maybe the Leafs aren't playing as good as you thought. <laughs> you just every shot is a potential scoring opportunity. But I digress. So set the scene for me, Killers. Okay, so the first album, Dennis Stratton. Yeah. Right. This is the first album with Adrian. So 1980, they're touring with Kiss. I managed to work Kiss into this podcast again. Yeah, we're gonna move on. From that <laughs> so the tensions with Dennis Stratton are like at their peak now. Like Rod Smallwood doesn't like him. Um, he's listening to a lot of like Eagles and like softer rock. Yeah. Rod Smallwood's giving him grief over that. Anyway, they get back and they kick out Dennis Stratton. Yeah. He eventually goes on to form this band Lionheart. Yeah, we did in the in the B sides. We did like his last recording was was right before this album, not long before they recorded this a few months. The video, he had the last... Yeah, was it Women in The video for Women in Uniform. Yeah, that was the one. And, um, yeah, okay, so he's, he's fired. Yeah. (laughs) He's fired. And, um... (laughs) He gets replaced by Adrian. So Adrian's playing in a band called, uh, Urchin had split by then, and he was playing in a band called Broadway Brats. Yeah. So they also said that if Adrian had said no, their backup there, we're going to ask Phil Collin. Do you know him? He went on to be in Def Leppard. Okay, wait now, but we did cover him in some capacity. We talked about he was the drummer from Def Leppard. He went on, he did something with Paul after. He's the guitar player. Yeah. For Def Leppard. But but wasn't he involved in, we did talk about him. We talked about Def Leppard in the past. We did, how they were part of the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah, but we covered one of our, I don't know if it's Yannick. He was involved with them in the Yannick episode. Off the top of my head, I don't don't know. But there was, if I recall, Yannick was in a band before... Made well, obviously, all this like stuff's Gog Magog. Gog Magog, and yeah. in that band was someone also from Def Leppard. Someone who was who had left Def Leppard after the first two albums. 
Okay. And then he was in Gog Magog with Yannick. Okay. But this isn't Phil Collins. This is okay. a different player. Okay, yeah. sorry, sorry. But there's yeah. a link. That, there was know, a, yeah. But it also shows that a lot of these bands, like um, when we... Uh, oh, yeah, the new yeah. wave of British heavy metal, a lot of these bands had like people floating around from band to band. There's a lot of links in between, especially before they actually solidified their lineups. Mm. So. Imagine if Ozzy had done a recording, what would my opinion be? But we, we won't get into that. We'll talk about <laughs> Ozzy later, because there's stuff coming up there I want to talk about down the road. But okay, so... Carry on. Right. Killer so, well, yeah, so Adrian was friends with Dave since they were kids, right? They grew up in Hackney and then went to school together. And uh, remember Dave was in Maiden. Then he left and went in Urchin for a while, came back to Maiden. Mm-hmm. So now Dennis Stratton leaves, so they get Adrian. They finally get him in the band. They tried a few times. Yeah. Now they get this uh, this lineup of, this is like the killer's lineup, which is Dennis Stratton's out. Yeah. Adrian's in. Yeah, you still got Paul and Clive. Yep. But otherwise it's, yep. it's Maiden. Yeah, and yeah, well, this is very much Maiden, so. Yeah, yeah, very much Maiden, and it's funny that, you know, we've, well, Paul, we've, we've never really had a debate about, is Paul Maiden? I mean, it's just, he's different, and of course, he's so important in the early, and, and when we did, when we will we look at the early years, we can see that Paul's got a good tenure there, but it's funny, we don't talk about Clive a lot, and we have talked about a drumming episode, and we'll get right. to it, yeah. and we've been getting some good feedback from various bands that have been contacting us and and um you know some of the, the tribute bands and we will get to that but it's funny that clive's kind of just there under the radar for so he's still there and he's yep. there until until peace of mind so okay so that's the setting right it's, uh, so they very maiden lineup right so they get uh adrian in the band yeah they do they take a 12 date british tour just to kind of break adrian in to the band mm-hmm. get him used to everything then they go into Battery Studios, record Killers with Martin Birch, November 1980 to January 1981. And it's their first album with Martin Birch. Martin Birch was like, at this point, was like a big deal when it comes to like producing albums, right? Like he produced or engineered 11 Deep Purple albums, uh, three Wishbone Ash albums, which was like one of Steve Harris's favorite bands. He always loved Wishbone Ash. Uh, he did White Snake, Rainbow. He did uh, a Sabbath wow. album. Uh, a Ronnie James Dio Sabbath album, Heaven and Hill. Uh, I think he did Mob Rules too. I'm not sure. And um, so Maiden wasn't yeah. sure if Martin Birch wanted to do it, and Martin Dirt Birch was kind of like, I wonder why they're not asking me to do it. But they, you know what I mean? They kind of didn't want to. Yeah, they didn't want to pose. Yeah, and he because Martin Birch says that he knew who Maiden were, and he thought there he. I read yeah. a quote where he said he thought there'd be in quote the next Purple, like the next Deep Purple. Yeah. So. Uh, Dennis Stratton, I read an interview with him. He said they used to play an hour and a half set. So they did the full first album and most of Killers already by the time he left. They had all these songs done and they were playing them all live. Uh, so they're basically ready to go so into this the was... studio. He left, but they had these songs ready to go and really honed, practiced live. Yeah, and got Adrian in, but that wasn't really yeah. a tour. It was just 11 shows. Right, but the rest of the band, I'm saying, they had these killer songs. Yeah. They didn't go in the studio with these new songs. And write them in there, or like write them for the new album. They had they had been touring and playing these all these killer songs live. So they're you know they're really fleshed out and rehearsed. So this is in the gap between like the Iron Maiden Unmasked Killer. tour and then the Killers World tour. So this is just in the middle. They're doing a few shows, yeah. getting their gear together. Now it's interesting too that you mentioned, but in the lead up, the years before this, they had most of these songs written and yeah, which is the yeah. interesting thing about Killers that that a lot of the tracks. Um, a lot of the tracks you can link back to pre-Iron Maiden. So they kind of, in, in some ways you could argue, why didn't they make it on Iron Maiden? But then um, they see Killers is, it seems to be regarded in some ways a better album. So that's 
Right. Talk well, about the that. thing about the the reason yeah. that is that they all date back is it they're all if you look at the writing credits on Killers, Steve Harris wrote every single song except for the song Killers, which has a co-write with Paul, Paul Diano, who ma- yeah. who came up with the lyrics only. Yeah, which is a fantastic. So this song. is basically all Steve Harris, the song, all these songs, right? Yeah. So before you move on, yeah. um, I want to ask one question too because it's interesting that that I would say Birch, Martin it, Birch, Martin yeah. Birch. The headmaster. Yeah, the headmaster. He came in because Steve Harris, the one thing he always lamented about Iron Maiden was the way it was recorded or right. producing. Yeah, because Will Malone so, recorded that first yeah. one and Steve Harris was not very was happy. Was not a fan. He still yeah. doesn't like it to this day. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's an interesting take. So now yeah. they've just jumped a whole new level. Okay, right. keep going. Yeah. So one thing about Martin Birch is Paul Diano at this point, he's got the, kind of that punk edge. And he really loved that first album. He considers that to be like his favorite Maiden. Yeah. He says at this point, like Martin Birch kind of came in and where he did like White Snake and Deep Purple. He said that Maiden was getting too polished at this point. And too he, polished. Yeah. And he says yeah. that like he, a quote from him is quote, it lost the fire. Like he, he, he said that was the beginning of him losing, this album was the beginning of him losing uh, interest in Iron Maiden. Mm. He said they're kind of getting into like the metal away from the punky sound, which he liked. And uh, so he started, like, ramping up his drinking at this point. And there's a huge buzz. I'll, I'll show them. Yeah, yeah. I'll show them. They'll <laughs> I'll be sorry. I'll get so drunk. If be... I get loaded all the time, they'll <laughs> yeah. listen to me. So they recorded this album. <laughs> album comes out. Uh, I know I'm jumping ahead a bit here before we end. I'm just going to give you a little yeah, thing. The, the album comes out. Uh, it's funny. Maiden, there's a huge buzz around Maiden at this point. Because the first album was, like, super successful. Um, Killers came out. It... The press doesn't give it glowing reviews. A lot of there's a lot of like people saying those because hype, it's overrated. You know, this controversy over Dennis Stratton getting fired and he said some bad things about them in the press. And then like the women in uniform single that came out in between yeah. this album that that people were kinda like I don't know. So it's almost like yeah. you know when bands get like really popular all of a sudden and people kinda turn their back on them. They're like the sellouts, they're getting too that used yeah. to be my favorite band. Now, now they've got this too big popular. producer. Yeah. It's going to be a So there's a little bit of backlash to them with this album when Killers came out. Uh, I don't know. It just it annoys me. I hate that when like people are like, that used to be my favorite band, but now everyone likes them, so I don't like them anymore. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> but I think it was a hint of that. Yeah. So I'm not drinking Starbucks yeah. now. And they were independent and, you know, in one place in the world. Yeah. That's when the coffee was good. <laughs> yeah, eat it, buddy. Yeah. So anyway, they go on and they do the Killer World Tour. They toured this album. 125 gigs in six months. Europe, Japan, Australia, North America. First time to USA. First wow. time to Japan. Uh, that's where they did the Made in Japan album was the tour of this album. That's right. Um, Great cover. And then the last Diano show, September 10th, 1981 in Copenhagen. And Diano's out after this the tour for this album. I've read multiple Paul Diano quotes saying like different things. Yeah. Basically, he didn't want to be in the band anymore. They asked him to leave. You hear the stuff. There's a lot of people saying like the fights and bad blood and stuff. But Paul Diano says he basically went in the into the office after this tour, after his last show. And they're like, you should leave. And he's like, I want to leave. And he said, it was like, all right, have best of luck. And they kind of just split peacefully i'm not sure exactly what the true story is but yeah yeah that that's an interesting one because uh it's one of those situations where you know someone's about to break up with you so you just preemptive strike yeah i, I had a guy i worked you can't with fire a, me i quit well this yeah. guy i worked with at a, at a pizza shop this is true after my first year of university i was delivering pizzas and it was awesome best job i ever had um i was like uh, really diligent i worked really hard um but i was just really good at it. i was polite and i just go around i was like Three weeks in, and they gave me, like, the top Saturday night shift, which is where all the tips. And this guy who was working there was, like, super mad about that. 
he drove this like he loved metal too but he drove this like big black SUV like Toyota 4Runner at the time and he came in and he was so mad it wasn't just about me it was a lot of stuff I wasn't really even the issue it was kind of just happening as I was there and he uh, came in and he lost on the bus he was like and she was like you know what I'm gonna have to fire you and he goes you can't fire me I quit and he storms out comes back in sheepishly two days later <laughs> trying to file his EI claim and he finds out that like because he quit he's not eligible for like eight months of payment subsidies oh, so, he, so he like they even they, they had to fudge the paperwork for him but anyway so there you go so Paul <laughs> did he quit did he not he totally do his EI yeah. claim so yeah all right cool so that's uh yeah that's basically the band they got this new guitar player yeah record this album came out it was super successful that's right uh the tour was super successful they just kept they're riding the wave now and then uh after the tour for this album, Paul leaves, and then that's when Bruce comes in. So Fantastic. So that's br- kind of just a little history of the before and after this album came out. Yeah, uh, so so as soon as they record it and they do the, the Killer's World Tour, and then the Copenhagen is his last show, do they keep going on the Killer World Tour? Do they, they do, because they had, a, few, they had a, a bunch of, I think, five or seven. Five European dates, I think, in Italy, and two European dates. So left in this tour. What happened? They got Bruce in and Bruce. Right away. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Well, we'll get into that as we go through the songs. Oh, deadly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of... Because I was wondering if he was, like, the beast on the road. Obviously, that was Bruce when yeah. that tour happened after yeah. Number of the Beast. But um, yeah. that's that's interesting. But he had in. toured with them, yeah, before that tour started. If yeah. you're Bruce, though, you know, it's easy for us to talk about how great Bruce is all the time. But yeah. I mean, when you get that phone call, because Samson was nowhere relatively. Yeah. And he gets that phone call, do you want a front man? And Steve knew him, and we talked about the early years. I mean, they were back-to-back at gigs, and, yeah. you know, I mean, Bruce's... Yeah. And we will, we're going to do a Bruce Dickinson. We'll probably do a bunch of Bruce yeah, that'll solo. that'll be like a 19-parter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Parts, a seven-part series. <laughs> seven-part seven series. That's cool, though. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Cover art uh, yeah. for Killers. So, yeah, we have a couple of versions of Killers here. I have... This is a original... Uh, first, yeah, original pressing. We're gonna tweet out a shot of me holding them. Actually, it's okay. like it's almost like I'm in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's uh, this is the original Canadian pressing from 1981. We've got the picture disc here, and we've got the remastered. Yeah, I got, uh, the, I got the crappy new one. Yeah, I like it. It sounds good. It's it's awesome. But uh, we got a bunch of different ones here. This is like well, actually, is that is, like, that is that the original? Can you pass yeah. that to me? Does it have Twilight Zone on it? And then what? It place? does. It's the original Canadian. Okay, so it has Twilight Zone, but it doesn't have that. Um, you know, is it is it the second last track or is it the third track on the second side? I don't know. It's not in very good condition. Yeah. Well. Oh, do you play it? Uh, no, that's just kind of for the collection. Ah, uh, cool. I have a, another version at home. Other <laughs> than these play. ones at home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, of course you do. Does <laughs> that make sense? But this is one of the most classic. Uh, and you know what? Our, uh, Luke Callanan, who yep. was on our Made in China episode. Yep. Um, one episode in the teens there. He did our art, and actually, a little uh, I'm gonna drop in a little there for our listeners. We've got a uh, we got some new artwork coming for later on. There's gonna oh, be right, some new stuff. About that. It'll be a, it'll be a couple of weeks, maybe yeah. a few months before we get it out. But we're we're not gonna change our logos and stuff. But we'll be releasing some new art out there, just some cool stuff. But I sent him the uh, Killers uh, cover. Because when we did the covers, you you loved that as iconic, and I was like, let's start iconic. So it's a statement in a way that the Eddie on here is a pretty important Eddie, 
you know, I, I like you, you, we've got so many of these like fan compilations of all the Eddies, but for me, there's like three or four big ones that stick out. There's yeah. the Trooper, there's the Killers, there's a the Power Slave, yeah. you know, Seventh Son, yeah. you know, Peace of Mind. Those are the the core early Eddies, like you yeah. know, Final Frontier is like kind of Terminator. Yeah, there's a few that I don't really. You don't resonate as much. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know what like a matter of life and death is not really. It's just kind of like it's more yeah. about the setting than the Eddie. But anyway, yeah. so the Killers Eddie is already on our talking being low in a sense. It's it's Luke's take on the Eddie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a cool piece. I yeah. love the cover. It's the yeah, simplicity. It's, really cool. it's got the Ruskin arm. So yeah. the uh, the Ruskin arms in the background. The band actually asked him to add that in there. There's a in the background. Really. Yeah. And uh, so I have that book. Uh, Derek Riggs's book. Yeah. He says, The block of flats is based on one I used to live in at the time. It's called Etchingham Court on Etchingham Park Road in Finchley, North London, N4. It's still there. You can go see it if you like. Wow. So, yeah. I'd have to go take a picture there. Oh, we should. When we're there. Eddie Gear. Although I'm sure we'll be disappointed when we yeah. don't see it. Not that. only that, we're not going to just drive out to the world. We'll get in a cab and like, take us to uh, Etchingham Court and uh, to where the kinky sex shop and Ruskin Arms are next side by side <laughs> oh my god you know what I'm, I'm looking at this now and I've seen that before yeah but I'm going to sound like a total moron here now especially considering that I'm going to unzip right now and I have the shirt on you are and wearing he's on the, the shirt, shirt yeah. I'm wearing the killer shirt it's my, my favorite maiden shirt yeah. well no it's not I have a hockey player maiden shirt which I love that I got in Quebec but um, the guy's holding on to his shirt and he's got the axe I, I knew he had the axe with the blood but I, I never really even paid much attention to his hands yeah his victim is like his victim trying to claw and Eddie's just like no. he doesn't care you're like why are you clawing him give me more axe chops yeah <laughs> like wouldn't you just play yeah. dead there's something about the way that the guy is grabbing his shirt he's like begging for mercy and Eddie's just like yeah he he's like taking joy in slaughtering him <laughs> wait now classic I, album I always thought that uh, Eddie was chaotic good <laughs> but now I'm starting to think he's chaotic evil but it's a, it's a really really classic album cover it's it just is. great yeah it's fantastic yeah yeah Love it, love it, and the Eddie is a huge improvement over the Iron Maiden Eddie in my mind. Although I love the Iron Maiden Listen, setting on the first, the first album. Iron Maiden album, yeah, that Eddie is Eddie to me, and yeah. he'll always, he'll never top that from any any of the other Eddies, yeah. including this one. I just love that one. Yeah, I love the spiky hair, and he's the only Eddie that, to me. Like the rest of them, kind of like this guy looks. He's kind of got that grin, and he's like kind of creepy looking, but he still looks like harmless. Not harmless, yeah. but cartoony almost. Cartoon, yeah. That yeah. first one is literally. Meant to scary, be scary, yeah. Off-putting when you look at it But he looks like he just time. got jolted with like an electric shock. Or, yeah, you know? electric Matthew. That's what he was. Then that's where that's where it came from. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Break into the album. Yeah. Let's get into that. the songs. Yeah. Let's get into so, it. We can uh, dig right in because this one with with killers. I mean, we could talk for days. That's true. That's true. And we we'll, don't want to do that, but we no, will. We'll, we'll break this down over a couple podcasts. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. It starts off. We covered the intro in. The um, what was it in our best, best album uh, openers? O- openers, yeah. yeah. But like for me, the Ides of March and Wrathchild are almost the same track. Like I don't it's really true, think of it. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good album opener, and it is kind of like an intro to Wrathchild. Like I don't know if like it's listed as its own track, so yeah. it is. A, it is a song. It's an instrumental. Yeah. But like I wouldn't consider it to be like a maiden track, mm-hmm. as in. I would never put this into if I was making a playlist or a mix, yeah. other than in, before Wrathchild. Like I wouldn't put this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put two. Know. I wouldn't put it randomly between two other. It's songs. actually the kind of thing that you'd play while the band's coming on the stage. And that's exactly what they used to do. Yeah, and yeah. that's what they used to do. Eh? Yeah, they that used to play sense. this. Well, yeah. But when they did the Killer World Tour, they didn't start with it. Um, did they, I wonder. 
Yeah, well, might this just not this be on the track opened. This opened the yeah. the tour, a lot of times they opened. Yeah, their set with this. Now a lot of times they didn't do and went into Wrathchild, but also um, sometimes they'd play this and then as the intro when they're coming on stage and then they go right into Prowler at live at the Rainbow Theater. They go into another life, so they didn't yeah. always use this as a opening to Wrathchild yeah. live, but it was an opener to the concert. I don't know. They just they would play this as like an instrumental while yeah. the and the lights would be off and then boom the first song will come on. Yeah. So, but it didn't always go into Wrathchild live. So. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, you know. It's, it's one of those things, though. If I played this song, yeah. I had to You know those songs? There's so many songs where you hear them. Yeah. And they end. And you immediately yeah, expect de- the yeah, next song right. to come. That's and it happens right. so much from, like, albums that you've listened to. Yep. And this is one of those. Like, if, the, if yeah. I just played the song and it ended and I didn't have any music queued up after. That's right. You'd, in your head, you'd just instantly hear that intro to Wrathchild. Yeah. And when we, when we were early on and we were doing the best album openers, that was one of our early days in the podcast. Yeah. I was like, well, my favorite is probably going to be Wrathchild or it's going to be up there, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then when I, when I pull up the track list, because, you know, I, I listen album lengths, barely do I listen to tracks. And even now I find I get, because I've been listening more on vinyl. When I make notes, I tend to now, I go song by song step by step and pause and and you know listen to clips and solos so i'm getting more of a track feel as we review them but my biggest standout is the first track and the first track on the second side from listening to vinyl but with this album i i still there is that pause but it's like led zeppelin does that so much they just tee up the next track with that first track yeah the track before it that you 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 don't even differentiate them and for me wrathchild's there but then when wrathchild ends and it moves on to murders and room work then you know that those are distinct yeah, this one. So I'm with you. Yeah, but it's almost like uh, uh, Heartbreaker going into Living, Loving Made on Led Zeppelin yeah. Two. Like, there's no pause, and when one ends, when Heartbreaker ends, you expect to hear this coming. Yeah, that's you know right. What I mean, it's exactly the same thing. I've got the main bottle behind me. I've listened to Maiden probably as much as as yeah. or, or sorry, I've listened, listened to, to Zeppelin, Zeppelin yeah. as much as Maiden almost. Although I haven't listened to him much in the last little while, but I'm starting to again at the gym. But um. I honestly can name very few tracks because I only listen to the albums continuously. Oh, yeah, and they just flow. You just know yeah. what album they're on. We yeah. talked about this early in the podcast. Like, since CDs went, and it was like the track would was so defined and you'd be skipping and it would actually stop and it'd go like, and do that reload sound. Yeah. Um, since then, the tracks are, you know, they are what they are. And I don't listen to singles and it's just albums. See, I yeah. if I listen to an album in any format, I always want to know what song is what. Yeah. Like, it bugs me if I'm like, I know an album, but I can't know what song is what. Like, I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been like that. Yeah. Even like a CD, I'm like, I but need you're to also know. like, oh, I need to read the seven original sources for this album. And I'm like, what beer are we gonna drink? Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's so okay. Back, yin and yang. Back to the Ides of March. Yes. We briefly covered this earlier on another podcast, but I'm yeah. gonna get into it again. Yeah. There's a song called Thunderburst by Samson. Um, remember we talked about the drummers. Uh, Barry Perkis. So Ron Rebel Matthews left Maiden. This is pre-first album. Uh, and then Barry Perkis joined Maiden. He was in Maiden for from September 77 to April 78. Um, then he went on to uh, become, he became like uh, Thunderstick and he joined uh, Samson. Oh yeah. As the drummer. Right. So then Killers comes out with the song as the first song. And, uh, Samson puts their album out and it has a song called Thunderburst on it, which Barry Perkis claims that he wrote. And I'm just going to let you listen to it and tell me if the sounds familiar to you. 
So he played in Maiden, left Maiden, went to Samson, yes, like and hot... wrote this song, apparently. Yeah, I got a hot take. What's that? This sounds like Odds of March to me. <laughs> it does. There's some similarities. <laughs> There's some similarities yeah. in this. So a quote from Barry Perkis, he says, I think we played it a couple times with Iron Maiden as an opening track, just an intro. It was a throwaway th- thing, not a real track. Uh, and then, anyway, the Samson album comes out and Killers comes out. And Steve Harris and a bunch of lawyers have a meeting with wow. him. And anyway, here's a qu- another quote from Barry Perkis. He says, I was instructed to give Mr. Harris songwriting, therefore publishing on Thunderburst on the Samson album by EMI representation, Iron Maiden management, and a legal team. Whereas I was told in no uncertain terms, I, if I should push for songwriting credit on the Iron Maiden version, I should prepare for a highly contested legal wrangle. So he, yeah, anyway. So if you look at this album, Steve Harris wrote it. Yeah. If you look at the Samson album, it's written by Steve Harris. He has 50% of the songwriting for the oh, Samson okay. version. So. Okay. So he gets royalties for that too, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He's getting a little taste of it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, but, so there's a little controversy on who wrote what, because he says that he wrote, he says that he wrote the song. He came up with this rolling, drumming, riff, drumming, I don't, you don't call it a riff when it's drums and whatever, drum pattern. And he kind of wrote it. But then I have a quote from Paul Diano. It says, Steve Harris wrote it 100%. The quote is, it was a Steve, it was Steve Harris, and I'll defend him to the death on that one. It with, sounds nothing like any other Samson track, which is kind of true. Yeah. So, <laughs> although it's Steve Harris. And then, and then, and then he went over and, and put a switchblade in his face. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't give Steve the writing credit, yeah. you're going to well, That wouldn't it. surprise me. And so that rolls right into Wrathchild, <laughs> which is another Steve Harris song. Yes. So, and again... Every song on this album yeah. is written. Well, it's so well known, uh, yeah. you know, it stands out so quick. But for me, it's one of my favorites on the album. I yeah. mean, it's, it's probably one of the defining tracks. I mean, I'll put yeah. Killers up there. I love uh, Another Life. But this, uh, yeah, it's great. Fantastic. And it's got that pace. It's so yeah. such great Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So my favorite part about Wrath Child, yeah. I think everyone will agree, is the intro. The bass intro is just yeah. amazing. So you have this awesome album intro. Yeah. And then it goes in the song, which has a big great yeah. bass intro. So it's just like, yeah. and it's, it's also great. really pacey. It's almost yeah. like that punky feel. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's got this like, how, how to describe it? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, we can all hum in our heads right now. Yeah, no, it's yeah, great. It's amazing. Yeah. So, um, this was first recorded. The first recording was the Metal for Mothers compilation. They did a demo, and that went under that compilation before this album came out. It was before the first album came out. Oh, okay. So. I have a version of Wrathchild. Wrathchild from that original version. And Wrathchild after Adrian joined. Because apparently Adrian had the idea to add a whole bunch of little guitar spots, like guitar licks around the vocals. Um, just listen to how much better this sounds.
that's awesome. That added a lot to the the track as well, just the way he's, he's framing it up. But um, yeah, it's that's the only version I know as well. When I heard the first one, I was like, that's not really Rat Child, but it that's awesome. Yeah, and then Adrian making an immediate impact on a song that's been in their repertoire for a while. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's just Adrian brought that song yeah. up like three notches. It's great timing though too. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is another one that like. So Bruce redoes this. I usually don't like Bruce when he does redoes Diano songs. But Bruce Wait, now when did he redo this? Is this one of the ones he redid in studio? He played no, it's not no, one that's Prowler eighty eight and yeah, that's, Prowler, that's right. We talked about those previously. Yeah. So but this, this is, is a live version. Yeah. So this is from a rehearsal in two thousand. So here's Bruce singing. So it. I've and, never I've never heard this, but okay. I can't I can't see a, a way that Bruce is gonna make this but do it. Let's well, hear it. This is so awesome. what do we think? It's a different. It's a total different feel wow, to the that's, lyrics. Yeah, that's a but he tough does a one. really good job. There's a couple of vocal carries in there where I'm like, "That's awesome," but yeah. it doesn't feel right to me. It's a Paul yeah. song. Yeah, it like, is it a Paul really song, and you're so right used to, to hearing the Paul. But not version. only that, it's so yeah. this whole album is like so gritty. Yeah, and it's like that that, that when, when we were leading in there, and that's where I'll I'll yeah. summarize when I get to that. Is this album isn't like a normal metal album? It's so gritty and pacey and yeah. and, and 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 rough. Yeah. In a sense, even though you know Paul called it polished, but I mean it's got that grittiness, and I just don't find like that vocal carry like you know I I, I lose sleep over the evil the men do it's so good. Yeah, but I don't want to you know he's carrying there. It's just not the gritty, throaty aspect that Paul adds yeah. to the song. It's a totally different approach to it, yeah. but I think he does a really good job of it. Yeah. Now this is twenty years later from the Paul version when that version I just played that's from two thousand. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This would definitely be. If you had to make a list, remember we did that episode yeah. about like the tour. A, no, a playlist to get people into Maiden if they've ever heard Maiden before. Oh, okay. I would definitely put this on there because I think this is one of the best of the Paul era songs. One mm-hmm. of the instant, most instantly catchy. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, of the Paul songs. Yeah, I definitely say that. But also, it's you also have to remember how much more you've heard this song because it kicks off the album. It's so identified with the album. That's true, right? Like as you break this down, there are some of the later songs the second side of the album that you could intermix with some of the later songs on the Iron Maiden album and Ernest yeah. is identified with the albums in my mind and maybe that's my um, my view of listening but this song just is killers yeah like, well it's a track so too but killers, it's really the opening the song because the yeah. first one's instrumental so that's right it really and it just sets the pace for the album yeah. and it sets the benchmark for the yeah. album and, and how it's going to be right. and so, it's yeah. a little bit overplayed but I mean it's a classic Maiden yeah. track but I'd agree that it's and we saw them do this remember Quebec City we saw they yeah. did this live it was excellent yeah he and Bruce did a great job of it there too. he did he did from what I can remember <laughs> yeah yeah that was a bit of a <laughs> well, we won't get into that no I was no I remember it it was excellent yeah yeah fantastic track I mean, I'm not even rating these anymore. I'm giving 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, well, Killers yeah. is a classic album. Killers. All the songs are great. 8 out of 10, yeah. 10 out of 10, I don't know. Yeah. What do you call it? And then you have, like, we're talking about intros. So mm. we have an awesome intro instrumental. Yeah. Then Wrathchild has an awesome bass intro. That's right. Now, Mur- Murders in the Rue Morgue. Yeah. Another great intro. Yes. I don't know. It's it. You can tell 
this is a pure Steve Harris. If you listen to the song, you can tell this is a Steve Harris composition. If you just listen to the bass line, if you focus on the bass line as you're listening through, the bass line carries the whole melody of everything all the way through. And I don't know, it's just, it's really cool. I love a little thing that I don't know if you'll notice before at the, the intro to Mortars in the Room where he's really slow. Steve Harris plays these harmonics. It, he plays these harmonics on the bass at the during the intro. And okay. it sounds really cool. I'm just going to play you a clip of that. It's really short. I love those awesome. little harmonics. It's now cool I want to hear that song. Yeah, I know. And then when it kicks in, it's just so great. Yeah, that is so good. Yeah. That is awesome. That's what I love about this song is the yeah. lead-in. Yeah. The lead-in is great. Me, the middle yeah. is great, too. It is. The, yeah. the whole song is, is yeah. Well, what I like, Yeah, the middle part, too, is... Like, the middle part, when you think of this era Maiden, I think of the guitar harmonies and just the tone of the guitars and this, you know, you know playing in, in harmony with each other. Mm. Uh, I've got a clip of the middle part, and this is pure this era maiden this just sums it up for me dave and adrian right like they're yeah they're just know. starting to get to groove together yeah I mean, and they I, just sound yeah, great i like it it's not like you know i wouldn't put it on a best of um, yeah. harmonies but it's yeah it's a defining yeah, but i'm just saying that, that those little that yeah. the, the pace in that part combined with the harmonies that's what i think of when i think of like early maiden that's right it's kind of still has that like rawness to it but it still has that it, sh- it shows what's going to come from maiden with like a lot of the guitar work it's, it's, yeah. i don't know it's pretty cool people always say this is based on the short story murders in the room work by edgar Allan poe but it doesn't really have anything to do with it no. well it's like it has a, a story basically where he basically finds two dead women in the in a, uh, he's in Paris and he finds two dead women in the street and then the police chase him around and he's like on the run because he thinks he's fa- falsely accused of you know he, everyone thinks that he killed these two women the Edgar Allan Poe story is like uh, a detective story also about two women mm. but like an orangutan killed them and sh- shove one of them down a chimney or something i think it's like steve kind of takes the loose idea of the story and kind of like the name probably of the story and just wrote some lyrics around it so it doesn't really have anything to do with the story uh this is the opener for the beast on the road uh and this is again this would be an awesome song to open your concert with yeah but to me it's it's funny that it was on the beast on the road right away because again it's a really paul song but then again at that stage you know your first yeah uh, tour with the bruce you're going to be playing a ton of Paul signs anyway. Right. And of course, it was towards the, the end of the set for the Killer's World. Right. Tour. Well, I have a clip of uh, yeah. Bruce doing the song. Uh, uh, this is from a bootleg from New York City.
So he does a good job of it too. But I agree with you with like Paul Diano. These songs are meant for Paul Diano. Yeah. Bruce does a good job covering them, but he changes the feel. It just these they suit Paul's yeah. raspy voice so well. I just yeah I don't know yeah. I mean I'm, I'm I'm totally contradicting myself in the yeah. podcast because I, none of that feels like yeah it's it's right it's Paul's <laughs> song and even there we sing it it's the thing is I think Harris is so good at developing a show an album tracks and writing for what he's working with at that moment yeah that yeah Bruce Dickinson's so good he can do anything yeah that's but true. even then th- these are so quick and punchy songs yeah and that's my takeaway from this there's, it's not the style like, for Bruce Bruce well, yeah. he, Bruce can really epic like, ballads epic, right there's no well, not epic, ballads but like yeah. epic belting out hitting yeah. these high operatic notes that's right and these are gruff songs power yeah. slay yeah. and he can do them but yes. it's it, I don't know Seven Sun really is Paul's like the strength. peak for me of that and yeah, yeah. And that's right this is Paul's area yeah, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I think he's doing a great job. That's a great but, uh, song. Obviously, for uh, comparison, mm. uh, here is listen to this clip. This is just for uh, completeness. Oh no, this is Blaze. that's blaze doing it that's uh yeah that's from a, a bootleg i think yeah. in brazil i can't so remember I, which one i'd probably argue that you know that wasn't a great recording and they missed a bit but um i'd almost argue that some of these songs you know if you were gonna go away from paul which you know I, i've argued and i will stand by that you can't yeah these are paul songs yeah blaze almost fits it better but he had a few little like high vocal twitches there it's like yeah um, not not the part we missed the notes, but where he was like going in a higher octave. Like I love the raspiness of Paul yeah. in this album. Well, that's and, the problem with yeah. With, if you're gonna go to that level up, Bruce can do it better. Right. right. But this is the problem with Blaze. Right. Is that he was really good on X Factor. He's really good doing the X Factor songs, and for those two albums. Yeah. Because they and if you listen to his solo stuff, if you listen to Wolfsbane before yeah. Maiden, and you listen to any of the post Blaze stuff. When Blaze writes songs, he writes them in his range, and he can sing them awesome, and he sounds amazing. Hmm. But then when you take him out of his range and get him to try to sing this, or like a Paul song, or I mean, or a Bruce song. Like, we've heard clips of, I've played for you a lot of Blaze doing Bruce-era songs, and, you know, they're out of his range, and he struggles with them. So, I don't know. This one's not so bad. It's not that bad. I mean, you know, it's not a great... That was live, too. Yeah, that's true. So you're only gonna... You're gonna... You're gonna hit and miss so we were talking about this one being on the next this tour coming up remember i had it on my dream set list not yeah, my one not my realistic one but my dream set list i thought this would be a good yeah. opener uh and they haven't played it since 2005 that eddie rips up the world tour yeah so that was a tour that they did to kind of like promote that uh history of modern maiden dvd that came out where they kind of focused on the first four albums so that's the last time they've done this oh that's cool I wouldn't be on my dream set list. We've yeah. been through ours, but I think it would be cool. I think it's excellent as an opener. Another song. Next song. An- another life. Another life. Yeah. Another Harris song. Love yeah. this song. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. The cool intro. The toms at the beginning. It's yes. Clive, right? And then the blistering solo right off the bat. Yeah. Harmony guitars, like I was talking about before, this era of Maiden. The harmony guitars are great. There is a yeah. a clip in this. There's a transition in this that defines 
for me this whole album. Okay. I'll, I'll play a clip of it. Okay. That clip right there is, this is probably maybe not my favorite song on the album, just because there's so many great songs on this album. But that whole segment there with that transition is everything that's great about this album because it just got that pace yeah. and then Paul's rumbling and it's got yeah. that very punky feel for me. It's oh, just yeah, like, it, yeah. it goes down and then it comes back and he's yeah. like going again. And the guitar there is awesome. Really great solos, it, yeah. Yeah, it's like that harmony that you just played. Plus, you add in the Paul's Rats, that transition is so tight. Yeah. Every time I hear that in the album, I just like, my adrenaline just got, I just like, get pains me. I love that transition. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things that Maiden have done. And it's just, every time you listen to that album, you just hear that. And it's just, I love it. It's cool, the song yeah. too. It kind of shows how Steve Harris was writing songs. He wasn't doing yeah. that like verse, chorus, verse, bridge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. The song it has a really weird structure. There's like an intro solo right off yeah. the bat. There's the four lines of lyrics. It's like as I lay here lying in my bed, sweet voice coming to my head, and blah yeah. blah blah blah. Um, then there's this riff. There's no real chorus. The riff yeah. is that did it did it did it did it. You know what yeah. I mean? Then it goes into those exact same four lines again. The same yeah. riff again. Then there's like this little breakdown, or not a breakdown. It's like a, a fast instrumental part and a solo. Then those same four lines again. That riff again, and then a solo to end the song. It's a really yeah. weird. It's a weird compilation, yeah. but it works so perfect. Yeah. And it's Wrathchild, Murders in the Room, and then this, and then it leads into an instrumental. It's almost yeah. like a really complex mix for one side of an yeah. album. And they just, you know, Wrathchild, they, they lead in, and Wrathchild, they just really crank it up. Murders in the Room, we just broke it down. You know, it's got that really cool yeah. guitar. And then this Another Life is just so sporadic, but it's got that transition, which I just love. And then it leads into Genghis Khan. It's yeah. like, it's such well, a... One yeah. thing about the song is... We're talking about Bruce doing versions of the Paul songs. Uh, listen to this one. He does a really good job of this too. Yeah. Um, it's again, yeah. it's better than the other versions, but it is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, still, it's so Paul for me. You know, it's it's a funny one. I not you know, I love Bruce, and that's it's just ah, I don't like it as yeah. much as I. Love I don't like it as much, version. but he does yeah. a good job. He does a great job. But I agree with all these Bruce versions. He does yeah. a really good job. I'd love to hear that transition yeah. live done now, like because they were on. This was on the Killer World Tour and the best the the, the Beast on the Road Tour. Yeah. I'm not sure. I haven't really checked the set list to see if it was played later on. I need to look at the uh, Beast Over Hammersmith. Yeah, watch that concert. That's on there. And, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a bunch of versions of this that you can listen to live on different live versions. Yeah, I love that transition. A- awesome song. It's a really good song. I love it. I didn't realize how much I loved it until I started listening to it. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot what this song. Yeah. So this song is another one that uh, halfway through this song, Clive Burr used to do a drum solo.
So that's from a bootleg and live in Italy, 1981, March 31st, 1981. So apparently this is a thing that they used to do is put let Clive do half a drum solo during the song, and I think it just kills the momentum of the song totally. Yeah, well, it's a, it's it's a garbage drum solo first. Yeah, I don't like drum solos anyway. Yeah, I think there's, there's nothing going on there. It's good if you've got it, it paired with you know the the bass or guitar or something, and they can be there yeah. can be good drum solos, you know, but. That just kills that transition I love. Kills momentum of the song. It's not a particularly good drum solo. It's far too long. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel like I could do that drum solo. <laughs> just saying a lot. So, anyway, a great song. It's only like, a, a, I think a lot of people forget about how awesome the song is. Yeah. Another oh, Life is song. great. Yeah. This was last played on the Eddie Rips Up the World tour. Cool. Yeah. And then the, you got this ramble flow in this song, which I kind of feel like defines this album for me. And then you go back into an instrumental. Right, and so then they come out of this yeah. into Genghis Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, to me, is it almost harkens back to Ides of March in a way. Like, I kind of get that feel. Maybe yeah. it's just because it's a instrumental. So it's the second instrumental on the album. Yeah, but it's got a Wrathchild feel for me as well. Yeah. Clive Burr's drumming on this is great. And I think what makes this such a good instrumental is it's short. It doesn't wear this welcome. It's, it has a lot of changes in different parts, but they just do not stretch this out. They could easily ruin this by stretching it out to, like... Yeah, but six or seven minutes. Like it's three minutes long, which is perfect. Looking at that now, I mean, yeah. what's the longest song on this album is like, well, second side part of the song is long, but on the first side of the album, you got a one four minute song. Like the yeah, you're only, all talking like three. Yeah, four, you're, these are all quick, punchy yeah. songs. Yeah, and you know, I would when I talk about this rambling, punky flow with Paul singing. Um, it's very different than a typical Maiden album that we'd see. Yeah. So how would you feel about the song coming back in if we went to go see them on the next tour and they had Genghis Khan in there? I mean, anything that they play, I'm going to love. Yeah, I think Obviously, it would be cool. It's it short sense. enough. It's three minutes, right? It's so not It's, it's not going to take up a big chunk yeah. of the... I wouldn't want like a big, long instrumental. Yeah. But I don't want like a three-minute one. And again, this is kind of why the song is so good. It's three-minute. It's quick. It's punchy. It gets to the point. And it's interesting enough that it never gets boring. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind this. Like they used to do this, uh, this live uh, back in the day. Uh, I have a clip of a live version, a, a short clip from Tokyo It sounds pretty good live. It's uh, I don't know. It's cool. You give Bruce a you know rest his voice, give him a break, let him mm-hmm. have a glass of water or a trooper beer or whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Um, I have another clip I'm going to play you. This one I'm going to apologize for in advance because uh, in the '90s, do you remember there's a band called Papa Roach? No. Okay. You you'll they were like one sounds of those. Sounds familiar. There's a whole bunch of these '90s bands that I never liked, like Limp Biscuit and Corn and Hooba Stank yeah. and oh. all these like you know what I mean, new metal bands. Yeah. And uh, like I'm not sure. If, I know there's probably people out there like Corn and Hooba Stank and they're nothing. Blah blah. I don't know. To oh, me, well, they're all like the stuff who, that was on the radio that I didn't like. Who was that person? Oh, what what <laughs> bands did you like from the '90s? I liked a lot of different bands. <laughs> yeah, I don't like this person. Yeah, someone on like well, the, they like Corn. Someone's gonna be someone on there like Hooba Stank. 
podcast is going to be like ripping on us now. These idiots on the Maiden podcast. Talking Maiden more like. <laughs> talking Hoobastank. Yeah. I don't even know. I can't. I, don't, I just know the word Hoobastank. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I can't name one song by them. But I lump all those bands together. Anyway, they had a song called Last Resort, which if you heard, it was on the radio. It's like. Yeah. Uh, they totally ripped off Genghis Khan. I have a clip of Genghis Khan and then their song. Really Sorry. short. It's like 10 seconds and 10 seconds. But just listen to this. I don't know if it's a ripoff or if it's a tribute or if it's a coincidence. Well, wasn't it that example where we had that riff and yeah. we it's compared a pretty generic it riff, and then you said it was generic and you put like 10 riffs together? That's true. So, so it could be that. Be. And also that, that, that song yeah. would have been better as an instrumental as well. Like a, <laughs> a loser. I also want to apologize to everyone listening unless I made you listen to uh, Papa Roach. <laughs> Papa Roach. So anyway, an I'm going to clean my ear. I'm going to play this now to uh, clean your ears out. <laughs> Uh, yeah. that's, a, that's just to get that yeah. uh, get, get that taste of get a recording of Paul doing that yeah that's true yeah <laughs> so, oh, and they, so yeah. they haven't played this song since yeah. the killers yeah I'd love to see this come back in the new set list it'd be kind of cool to see yeah. haven't played it since the killers tra- since the killers uh, world tour although yeah. I, they brought it once on the beast in the road tour for mm-hmm. one concert they broke broke it out for some reason but then it never was played again yeah it's kinda, I, I kind of find this song it's a little bit campy like Oh, in, Genghis in, Khan? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, oh, I'm Innocent, Innocent Exile? Exile. Okay. Yeah. We on to that now? Yeah, we're on Innocent Exile. Yeah. yeah. It was like, I don't know. We just as like satisfied law when he starts talking about that stuff. I just always find it, I kind of find it like, it, it, it jars like a few Judas Priest lyrics that I really don't like. Yeah. I love the song. It's a great I song, it, yeah. but I, I just find it's a bit campy. Like, I'm not saying I dislike it. It's a good song, but um, it's kind of a wind down on that side of the album before I flip it and I love Killers. Yeah. It has a cool bass yeah. intro. The guitar solos are awesome. I don't know. The last half of the song is the best. Uh, yeah. This goes back to the Gypsies Kiss pre-Maiden days. It used to be called Endless Pit. And they rearranged it for Killer. Steve Harris says uh, the intro was originally on guitar, not bass. So the mm. bass part was being played on guitar. And the bass was playing these like crashing bass chords under it. And they switched it around when they read it, rearranged and it, it was for Endless Pit? Uh, originally it was back in the Gypsies. So then they're like, we got to rejig this. What are we going to call it? Innocent exile. What does that mean? <laughs> well, it's when you get exiled, but you're innocent. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is kind of a, like murders in the room yeah. org theme. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's, I, they say I killed a woman. They know it isn't true. Yeah. Like, you know, you're innocent, but you're being, I don't know. <laughs> There's no real, uh, course in this song either. This is another one with no real course, right? Yeah. Like the instrumental part after the verse, I guess, is the course. Yeah, it's another cool, great Paul yeah. Pace song too. Yeah, like it just like rumbles. There's a cool a solo section with like yeah. timing changes in it too. It's cool. So this is where you yeah, Maiden like they veered away from that verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Yeah. Thing. Uh, it's kind of like a hint of like the prog rock, I think, influence. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. A lot of the songs on the like this early on this album have like weird timing changes and they stick that's right you know which is kind of cool i don't know which i like and i, I almost attribute it to almost this punky you know how like even now well probably the last i don't know 15 years or so the english rock like the arctic monkeys and and uh, libertines was the way they would always change their timing in these really funky like yeah. and then they'd wrap it back up that's not that's not really that present on this stuff but the timing is so jutted at various stages yeah. that's so different than maiden now yeah and 
begs the question for me, what would Maiden have looked like if you'd have carried on and done, you know, Number of the Beast or Power Slave with Paul and like this? Well, they couldn't be so different. Yeah, and I think they all kind of realize they're going in that direction. And that was half of the reason. Well, Paul, I don't think would have liked those songs because he (laughs) they're totally not what he was into. Glug, glug, stab, stab was like a convenient, (laughs) a convenient uh, exit strategy. But Paul does like he does a really great scream. Yeah. In this song. And there's another part in this song that I love, and it's when the guitar goes... There's a part where the guitars go like... Yeah, that's right. He does this cool, like, ugh sound. Which is cool. It just has so much attitude, right, in this song. Yeah. I don't know. All these songs, Paul, they totally suit him. His attitude and his look. I just yeah. I, I always find like because I listen to it, it's just it, it just feels so rambling to me, which I like. Like it's, it's like this like really vocal driven kind of punchy, um, gritty, you know, gurgly. Like I love it. And then some of these transitions are so good, and they even break up this album well, so well. Like Eisenberg leads it perfect, but then like I find you know after another life, I love that transition with the guitar. We just played a little bit of it. Yeah, amazing stuff. And then it comes into Gangs Khan and it ends with this, which is. Not, I don't think it's the best track on the album by any measure, but like it does fit the theme of the album, and it's very much Paul. And then it, and then the album ends, and you flip it over, and you start with Killers. It's like this side is like awesome. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Great. Yeah, it's, it's like intro. Yeah, it's an intro into a cool intro into a song, yeah. and then like the, the end side one with yeah. this. And it amazed me in the in the intro to this podcast. You're talking, Sequencing, like, right? It's great. Yeah, with with uh, Stratton, they're throwing some some slag at the band and various people like that loved Iron Maiden so much. And then and then see this. If you put on side A of this, and you know you'd have to be really biased against where the band's going, or just one of these. You know, it's too popular now to be cool yeah. people yeah. to not listen to this and go, "This is amazing." Yeah, nineteen eighty one. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And the more I listen to Killers, the more I love it. But you know, it's not the things, but it, it doesn't define a type of maiden that I love, which peaks out for me in like Power Slave and and and, and Seven Son and yeah. and that, you know that really you know so I'm so vocal driven. But this yeah. has just got that gritty, you know, and it, and for me it feels really it's early days maiden. It's really early. Yeah. And you know, I know a lot of people that listen to our stuff now are that love Power Slave, but they were around when this was released. I mean, I wasn't. Yeah. And now I listen back on it, and it's not Bruce. And but I've I've come to love this album a lot in the last yeah. year. And in the lead up to this, I've really enjoyed it. But it's kind of changed for me as I've listened to it that it's it's, it's just got this such a distinctive, like kind of like almost, I don't know, this is where I guess if I was you know, a musician, I could describe it better. But this is kind of rumbling, punchy feel to it that I don't find is as prominent in Iron Maiden. It's almost got its own feel that's different. And I, and I just love it where it's at. But there's no other album that's like this. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's like an extension of the last album, but with hints of yeah. what's to come. So that's right. I know it's cool. It's cool though when you think about this album. Then you get into like your peace of mind, power slave, and somewhere in time, seventh son, and then all the newer albums. And I don't know. That's part of what's so great about a band that's been around for forty years, right? They just yeah. change and they have whatever mood you're in. There's yeah. like a maiden that you find to listen to, that's, that's and right. just when you think you're sick of maiden, you're like, oh, I'll just listen to the, some different maiden. You know this is I mean? where the guys in the Limp Biscuit podcast are like, you know what? I don't like their take on our band. And this is how this is how the podcast people also speak. I don't like their take on our band, but they do have a point. Sixteen studio. Yeah. What is that voice that we do when we're talking about people that we disagree with? I know. 
Oh God. Yeah. So no, that's perfect. So we'll, uh, I suppose we'll wrap it up there and get in the side, yeah. uh, the second side, um, in a, in a later podcast. Yeah. And next week we'll do side B of killers. Yeah. And uh, there's good. a whole bunch of other stuff I wanted to get into with killers too. We'll get into that. Do an intro. And it's yeah. good too. Cause I kind of need a break, uh, to go off and listen again to the second side, because I find the one thing about this album, I, I do take away is that the first side dominates my memory of this album. Yeah. Even though the name track is on the second side, yeah. like I need to get, get back and just listen to side two uh, you know, yeah. constantly. So that's awesome, man. Great notes and uh, good work. And anyone listening out there, uh, you want to get in touch, go to TalkingMaiden.com. If you haven't rated our podcast yet, please do. And uh, yeah, feel free to email us. We're, we're getting a lot of emails now, which is great. Yeah. And uh, but um, I know. I'm always begging, begging people for uh, iTunes reviews. You don't actually have to write anything. All you have to do is click on the fifth star. Or the <laughs> five on the stars. Fifth that's all you have to do. You don't have to yes. type anything. You don't have to submit anything. Yes. You just click on it. Yes. It's one click. And if there's ever anyone who clicks on less than five stars, it's those limp biscuit people. <laughs> I'm going to click on two stars. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Till next time. Later. Later.